You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. Hey, Southridge, I am here. We're live. Nothing stops us. Nothing stops the mission and vision that God has for our church and leading people to find and follow Jesus. No matter what's happening in the world around us, no matter what we see out there, it doesn't matter that Costco is out of toilet paper. And we're excited to be here and I'm glad that you're here. We're going to have a great time together. We're going to be kicking off a new series entitled Binge Reading the Bible, and I'm so excited that the timing of this series came right now in the middle of really what now is this epidemic, pandemic, whatever kind of uh, uh, thing you want to call it. It's craziness out there. You're probably battling the lines and trying to get uh, stuff at Costco or your grocery store, all that stuff. I want to let you know that we care about you. We're praying for you. Reach out to us. Comment in the comment section how we can pray for you. We hope you engage with this format, but we also hope and pray that this will be a life-transforming experience for you and for those that are joining us. Well, like I said, we're kicking off a new series entitled Binge Reading the Bible. And so we're looking at the Bible. We're looking at God's Word. In a day and age where it seems like uh, truth is relative, where it seems that people are choosing their own morality, their own right and wrong, you do you kind of thing and live your truth. And it seems that today people are getting misguided on, is there a right? Is there a wrong? And what's right for you? Is it right for me? What's wrong for you? Is it really wrong for me? And so we're, we've lost ourselves a little bit in, in culture and society. And so uh, what helps us is the Word of God, the Bible. But yet many of us, we know stories from the Bible, but we don't know the story of the Bible. And that's where I want to dive into. Because many of us are having guesses about God because we only see one picture of who He is. And I'm hoping through this series that we can see a bigger picture of who God is. Some of us are asking questions like, does God care? Does God listen to my prayer? Does God exist? You're asking all these questions because you're only getting little pieces and only little snippets. And so many times... uh, Our opinions about the Bible are just that. They're opinions about the Bible. It's not based on what we've read in the Bible. And so we're only getting pieces of who God is and how He works in the world and and, and how He acts and how He behaves. And so this morning I'm hoping to alleviate some of those questions and answer some of those questions. I mean, I could see how that would be so frustrating. You're, you're, You're taught and told to have a relationship with God, but yet sometimes you have in the back of your mind, well, how can I have a relationship with somebody I can't see, with somebody I can't hear, with somebody who I don't feel like is present or maybe doesn't care? Uh, I'm married, been happily married for 11 years, and and it would be difficult for me to carry on a relationship with somebody if I didn't think that they cared or if they weren't listening or things like that. It would create a lot of insecurity. The biggest thing it would probably do is probably bring up a lot of doubts. And this morning, that's what I want to focus in on. How sometimes we are threatened by our doubts. We're threatened more by our thoughts. 
And those things just creep into our minds, especially as we're watching everything unfold on news and uh, online. And, and can I just give you the best piece of advice this morning? If you have news push notifications, turn those things off. I don't know if we were quite meant to handle all of the world's news. It's, it's overwhelming. It's alarming. It's discouraging. And so this, this morning, I want to start this series and help us to get back into God's Word. But I don't know if it would surprise you, but how you received the Bible is not how we received the Bible. You say, what do you mean? Explain it. So I've got a Bible right here. This was a Bible that I bought and I went down to the store and it was all there in a box and packaging and has a nice uh, fake faux leather binding and it's a copy of God's Word. I just went down to the store, paid a couple dollars for it and I have a copy of the Bible. But that's not how we got this book. You see, this book was compiled over thousands of years and over many different authors, and it's 66 books, and it, it's numerous. It's separated between the Old Testament and the New Testament, or what others would call the Old Contract and the New Contract. And sometimes we pick up the Bible, and it's not that we don't want to read it or we don't understand it. It's that it's kind of intimidating. Especially when you start looking at some people have a preference between translations and some people have thinner Bibles, thicker Bibles. Some people, they know so much about the Bible and, and maybe you're asking yourself, hey, I, I want to get to know it, but I'm, I'm struggling with getting to know the Bible and I want to get to know it better. And, uh, or there's maybe some of you, you grew up in church and for you, you've never really thought about the Bible. It's just been something you've always had. So as, as we talk about the Bible this morning, this is going to be kind of interactive, but as we talk about God's Word and the Bible, I'm hoping that we can really engage with this idea about the Bible. I'm hoping that this will really come alive to us, that as we talk about God's Word, that we once again fall in love with it. Because sometimes we don't appreciate something that we don't really understand. There are things about my family and my past history and my grandparents that it was hard to appreciate them. But then one day, my grandmother, I call her my Oma, she took our family history and she put it in a little book. And then she gave it to all the kids and grandkids and she gave it to all the great grandkids. And I have a copy of our Ermler family history. And you know that little book that she typed up on her laptop one day and then printed out? That thing means so much to me. Why? Because it's a story of my family. It's near and dear to my heart. It has so much memory and now I, I appreciate my family even more because I know what they went through. You see, it's hard to appreciate the Bible when you don't know who the Bible's about. What is the story of the Bible? So like I said, you might know about Genesis and Adam and Eve and you might know about Moses and Joseph. You might know about David and Goliath. You may know of Abraham and Isaac. You might know of Daniel in the lion's den, Jonah in the whale, Peter walking on water, Jesus and, and the miracle of turning uh, 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 a small little lunch and feeding thousands. But those are stories. That's not the story. So this morning, we're talking about the Bible, but we're going to talk about the big story of God's Word. And so this morning, I want to turn and I want to look at a verse, and it's found in the book of John chapter 20. So if you have a copy of God's Word there in your, in your home or somewhere around you or maybe on your app, let's go ahead and let's open it up. Let's, let's together, let's dive into God's Word, shall we? So John chapter 20, notice if you would the last 
two verses of John chapter number 20. It says this in verse number 30. It says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. Now when John is writing they're not recorded in this book, you got to understand there's 66 little books inside the big book called the Bible. And so he's saying, hey, in my record of all that happened, that's all that's recorded. So we understand that when it comes to God's word, we see that there's lots of books that wrote about events. Verse 31, here's what it says. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. If we were to answer that first question on why the Bible, I mean, let's just put it up there. I mean, really God, why would you write this book? Why? It's a big question mark, isn't it? It's like, God, if you sent Jesus, why doesn't Jesus just hang around? Why, why the Bible? And John answered it for us, didn't he? He said, these are written. All these things are written so that you would believe. You see, that's the goal. The goal is for you and I to read this and to believe. But we got to step back in time and we got to examine what's happening at this time. You say, what is happening? Well, first off, in this day and age, uh, not everybody could read. It was a day and age where you would go through an apprenticeship. So whatever your family business was, you more than likely stayed in that family business. So you may not always have an education. Not everybody's able to read. Not only is not everybody educated, not able to read, but also take into account that it's also very expensive to write on papyrus or they would write on uh, sheep uh, skin or goat skin and they would write these things and then they were, they were very fragile, they get brittle. So they would mess up or they would be destroyed fairly easily. So if it's expensive to write God's word and if not everybody could read God's word, then why write it at all? Why not just keep with oral tradition? You see, at that time, you only wrote things down that were monumental, life-changing, history-making, things that changed everybody's perspective. And you say, what event had happened? And here's the event. Earlier in John chapter 20, it's the resurrection story. It's Jesus rising again. He was crucified on the cross of Calvary and three days later he rises of his own power and, and he conquers death for you and I. And this moment was so impactful that John had to write it down. He said there's no way we can let this moment go by. But that's not the whole story. You see there's one person that was a disciple of Jesus. His name is Thomas. Thomas missed the resurrection. You say, what do you mean he missed the resurrection? Let me catch you up in the story. The Bible says in verse 24 of our same passage, it says, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, Didymus means a twin. There's two. We don't know who his brother is. One of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Could you just imagine them rubbing it in Thomas's faith? Hey, you weren't there. You missed out. You got to Costco too late. All the water bottles and all of the, 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 the toilet paper and all the good stuff is gone. So guess what? You're stuck with nothing, okay? So you could just imagine. Don't you hate missing out? 
And I could see, it's like they're doing FOMO to him, right? It's kind of like, you missed out. They said, we've seen the Lord. But notice what Thomas says. You would think Thomas, being a disciple, he, he had traveled for Jesus for three days, for three years, and, and spent all this time with him. You would think Thomas, of all the people, would be like, oh man, you guys saw Jesus? Oh, I gotta go find him. Where's he at? But that's not Thomas's reaction. Here's what he says. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where his nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Wow. Is this truly a disciple of Jesus? Sounds like a skeptic to me. Sounds like an agnostic to me. Sounds like somebody who is dealing with doubt. Someone who's threatened by their thoughts. And as you and I are looking at the world around us, maybe you're in the same boat as Thomas. You're threatened by your thoughts. You're thinking, God, do you care? God, are you here? God, are you listening? God, do you see what's happening? The economy, this is happening. God, my job is doing layoffs. Uh, I, I don't have child care. God, I'm, I'm so discouraged right now. There's, there's this threat of people getting sick. I have older loved ones that I'm worried about. And God, where are you? This, is, this pandemic is ravaging the world. And God, where are you? I have a lot of doubt. So God, maybe you don't exist. So my prayer is that God would use this message in your heart this morning. I think more than anything, you need this message. Because in a season of crisis, understand, mark it down, that your doubt is going gonna, is gonna to come in. And it's amazing because many of you are in a bout with doubt. That, that, that you feel like doubt is about to take you out. That it seems like your hope is on the ropes. You're not sure if you can keep going. And you're just like Thomas. You're trapped. You're locked in that doubt. You're afraid for your life. And so guess what? Thomas, he's here and he's dealing with this doubt. But he's dealing with difficult degrees of doubt. The degree of his doubt, it's personal. You say, what do you mean it's personal? Well, think about it. Jesus appeared to all the other disciples, but Thomas. Don't you hate missing out on something? Don't you hate it when all your coworkers, all your friends go on an activity, they do something and they forget to tell you, they forget to invite you, makes it personal. And when something's personal, it hurts more, doesn't it? But not only that, I noticed Thomas, when it was personal, he isolated himself. Nobody forced Thomas not to be there. What was Thomas doing? Thomas was missing out. Thomas had isolated himself for whatever reason, maybe out of fear, maybe out of doubt, maybe out of all these reasons, but I want, to, I want to notice something. For whatever reason that Thomas isolated himself, it's a dangerous one. Because isolation, whenever we isolate ourselves, isolation will always feed our insecurities. So whatever insecurity you have, at the moment you start isolating yourself, guess what it does? It just feeds that. It feeds that doubt. It feeds that nobody loves me, everybody hates me, I'm going to go eat worms. It's just that, that attitude. You see, that's exactly where we find this character. He's in this bout with doubt. And Thomas, he wasn't there. Which is amazing because if you were to go to John chapter number 11 and verse 16, Jesus is saying, hey, let's go to this city. But the disciples said, no, Jesus, don't go to that city. They want to kill you. Only one of the apostles stood up of Jesus' disciples and said, let us go with him. Let us go die with him. And you say, who was that, that apostle? It's Thomas. You see, there was a point in Thomas's life where he was saying, Jesus, I am willing to die for you. How, how did we get so far? 
How'd you get for one moment? You're willing to die for Jesus, and then this next moment, you're, you're like, I don't even know if he actually exists. Because doubt. Because when you isolate yourself, your, uh, your isolation will fuel and feed your insecurities, and it doubles your doubts. You see, I also notice this about doubt. Some people are used by their doubts. They're used by it. Some of you right now, because of the doubt you have in your heart, that doubt is keeping you out of great opportunities. Some of you, you doubt that God will ever give you a relationship. And since you doubt God will ever give you a relationship, you never put yourself out there. You never try to go on a date. You never try to reach out to anybody. Why? Because you're being used by your doubts. Some of you have been betrayed in the past. You've been hurt in the past. And so you're being used by your doubt. That, that you feel like, if I ever try to reach out to anybody, guess what? They're going to hurt me. They're going to attack me. And you're being used by your doubt. But also, I know that there are people that are used by their doubt, and then there are some people that use their doubt. You say, what do you mean, use their doubt? Did you catch what Thomas said? He did not say, hey, I need to touch Jesus' scars, I need to feel his side, because then I could believe. No, 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 no. He's saying, it's not that I can't believe, it's that I won't believe. It's not that I can't, it's that I won't. He's using his doubt as an excuse for bad behavior. I think sometimes we can come to the Word of God and we could say, I don't know if the Bible's true. I don't know if what it says is true. So guess what? Even though the Bible says certain stuff that I don't like, I don't know if it's really true. So I don't have to live that. I don't have to follow that. You see, some people, they are used by their doubt. And some people, they use their doubt. They use it to their advantage. Saying, well I, well, I doubt that God's real, so guess what? I can live however I want. I don't, I don't need to live and follow a godly lifestyle. So I see that not only was he trapped in his doubt, notice he's also trapped in his disappointment. His disappointment. And his disappointment would deepen doubt. You say, how do you know he was disappointed? Because all the disciples thought Jesus is going to usher in this new kingdom. That the Roman rule is going to be cast off. And they were disappointed that Jesus didn't do it. You see, Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. Jesus had a different plan. And it didn't measure up with what Thomas and the other disciples wanted. It's obvious the other disciples got over it faster than Thomas. But he still hasn't gotten over his disappointment. I know sometimes there's disappointments that happen in your life and in mine that we just can't get over. That we're just so hurt and we get hung up on. And we can never move forward in our life because of that one hurt, that one disappointment. And so Thomas, he's stuck in that disappointment. And here he is, he's trapped by it. So what disappointment are you stuck up on? What is something that's holding you back? You say, man, this is just in my heart and I need to let it go. I gotta, I gotta just drop it here. I gotta leave it here. I gotta give it to God and I gotta move on. And then lastly, I see he's trapped in his discouragement. You say, why? Because the disciples came to him and said, hey, you missed it. And he said, I'm, I'm not going to believe. But notice what verse 26 says. It says, a week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked. The doors were locked. Why would they lock the doors? They're afraid. They're discouraged. They're disappointed. They're, they're locked in. They're not sure what's going to happen. But I love what Jesus does. The Bible says, same verse, verse 26. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Wow. Peace be with you. You see, that's my prayer for you and I right now. You're going through a crisis. You're going through so much. The world is going through something. And yet, Jesus 
steps into their situation and says, peace be with you. That's my prayer for you this morning, that you would experience peace. That peace would be with you no matter where you're at, what you're going through, that you would experience that peace that passes all understanding. That peace that passes your doubt. It passes over your disappointment. It passes over your discouragement. That's what we need this morning. We need a peace that goes over it. A peace that gets us over all of this disappointment. A peace that helps us even when we're threatened by our thoughts. You see, he had to make a decision. I can stay locked in this. They're locked in this room. And here's what I love. Even if you can't get out, God can still get in. They couldn't get out of this situation. They were locked in it. But God shows up in the middle of it. I don't know what's going to happen with this coronavirus. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't have any, uh, any more knowledge about the situation than you do. But here's what I know. That God is going to work in this situation. And God is going to move in this situation. That God has a plan that's good and it's perfect and it's going to bring him glory and he wants to use you wants you to be a part of it so as everybody else is in this crisis and 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 let me help you let me get real practical here for a second okay well everybody else is cursing this crisis i don't want you to curse this crisis you say why god uses crisis all throughout history all throughout the word of god god uses a crisis why these are the moments where our hearts are tender and soft towards god You see, all these things were written down. Why? So that we would believe. See, God wants us to believe. So there's this crisis. I don't want you to curse the crisis. Another thing I don't want you to do, I don't want you to consume in the crisis. You say, what? What do you mean consume? You see, right now we're in a season where everybody, you see it, there's lines everywhere. People are fighting each other, pushing shopping carts, being rude to each other, trying to grab that last bottle of water, the last little medicine, the last... Toilet paper. We're fighting over toilet paper. It's chaos out there. So people, they're cursing the crisis. Not only are they cursing the crisis, but they're consuming in the crisis. They're just taking all they can. But that's not what God wants us to be doing. God wants us to live open-handed. God wants the church to lead the way in generosity, in giving. It's counterintuitive, isn't it? Right now, it just seems like, oh, the world's falling apart. What are we going to do? It's the end times. What's going to happen? And it feels like we, we can't give. But I'm telling you, church, we have an opportunity here to go be the church. I know we can't gather. And so we're having to watch online. We're having to get in our life group. So that's why our church has decided on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. that we are going to do service projects all over the city of San Jose, wherever we can, whoever we can pray with. We're going to have prayer teams that will just be out meeting with people. And I believe that God is going to bring about and usher in a, a revival of, uh, of seeing people saved, of, of, of Christians who are kind of what I would call uh, cooled down Christians, you know, low sodium Christians, Christians that have kind of lost that fire, that zeal, that they would experience a revival in their heart, that God would f- light a fire inside of them, that they would get back to doing what they know they should be doing, and you and I, that we'd be a part of it. So I want to encourage you every Sunday at 10, we're going to be meeting right at Oak Grove High School, and I want you to be there. You say, why? Because then we're going to disperse, and we're going to go out. And we're going to show this city that, guess what? There's no fear here. Because why? God has stepped in and said, peace be unto you. This morning, you're watching this video. And maybe you're hearing talk about peace. Maybe in your heart right now, there's a whole lot of fear, doubt, disappointment, discouragement, anxiety. And please look at me in the camera. Engage with me just for a moment. Yes, I see you in that love seat right over there to the right. Yes, I see you. Yes, I see you on the couch. Yep, you're in, you're in the dining room. Yep, you watching your iPad on the phone. I see you. I, I see you. And I want you to get, get this, okay? That God wants you to have a peace. That while everybody else is losing their heads, that you have a peace that passes all understanding. A peace that you can sleep in the storm. 
a peace that you know that my God shall work all things together for good to them who are the called according to his purpose. We are the called according to his purpose. So we don't need to lose our heads. We don't need to give in to cursing the crisis because God is going to use it because our faith is only activated when there's an obstacle to overcome. So you want active faith. You want powerful faith. You need an obstacle to overcome this morning. God has dropped one in and it happens to be named the coronavirus, COVID-19. And so you and I in this season will go be the church. We're going to take it out of the four walls. We're going to take it out of our houses. We're going to go and be authentic Christianity. And I believe that this will be the greatest season at Southridge Church that we've ever been a part of. Why? Because God wrote these things. And we're going to talk about every week about the Bible and we're going to get real practical every week. So I hope you'll join me next Sunday and I hope you'll come back and be a part of this. I'm praying for you. And if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, I want you to pray this prayer with me, would you? Would you pray this prayer? Would you pray this out loud? Would you pray it right there? Or would you type it in the comments? Would you pray this? Dear God, forgive me for my doubt and my discouragement. God, I've ran from you. I've rejected you. But this morning, I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back to you. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for my failures. And God, I want to accept you back into my life. God, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my sin. I receive you now as my Savior. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and asked Jesus into your heart, would you let us know? Would you comment in the comment section below? And would you reach out to us? Would you send us an email? Would you call us? Would you message us on our social media channels? And let us know if we could pray for you. We want to encourage you. We want to be a part of your spiritual journey. Stay up to date with us. We love you. More important, God loves you. Take care. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.